Welcome to Waxing the Porpoise. We are here to discuss episode four, where we're talking about the 1992 film Thunderheart. This is obviously one Steve's never seen before, uh, starring Val Kilmer, Sam Shepard, Graham Greene, directed by Michael Apted. You got Jim, G-Baby, G-String, along with my co-host Steve. How you doing, Steve? Jim, good to see you. Good to see you. Is this episode four now? It is. Number four. Right on. Sweet. Keeping it going, yeah. How you been? Good, man. I uh, I was able to find this movie for free through Amazon Prime on Stars with a free week-long trial. When I, when I was looking for it, for some reason I couldn't remember the name of the movie. I was like, I know it's not Dragonheart, because you said, no, that's about dragons. Yeah, Sean Connery. So, I am the last one. So I was like, is it Eagleheart? And so I, I looked up Eagleheart, and it, and that is like a spoof, or it looks like a spoof movie with the main guy is uh, Woogie from Something About Mary, or... Uh, Chris Elliott. Sure, the cameraman from Groundhog yeah. Day. Chris Elliott, dude, uh, cabin boy. And so uh, I was like, all right, that's not it. I'm like, what the fuck is it called? Is it Lionheart? And so I look up Lionheart and I'm like, oh boy, I, I wish this is what it was. Really? I've, ne- is, I've never, what is I've never seen it. Oh, friend, let me tell you. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes, from 19, that's right. From, from 1990, as you know, one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh that's right. But I've, I haven't seen like any of his movies. So 1990, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And just the description, uh, an ex-French soldier begins participating in underground street fights in order to make money for his brother's family. I was in at that point. Ha- still haven't watched it, but the tagline, the tagline was, when the streets are jungle, there can only be one king. <laughs> I was jacked. Yeah, that sounds right up your alley. Hell yeah. All right. Uh, and then I remembered that it was Thunderheart and found it. So that was just right. a fun little aside. Right on. Yeah. I mean, like the goal here is to like, you know, pick films that you've never seen before that, that I champion, but, and that also are deep cuts, you know, like I don't, I don't want to go with like surface level crap, you know? So I think Lionheart would fit into that category and you've never seen it. So we can add that one to the list. Um, yeah. I wonder Maybe add it much... to a list of um, like not classics, but like guilty pleasures or something. Yeah. I was thinking we could maybe do like a subset at one point, you know, like, I mean, there's even films I'd like to discuss, like that I haven't seen in a long time that I know you've seen like Lethal Weapon 2. I mean, fuck, that's one of the greatest films ever made. Uh, I'd, I'd get a kick out of talking about that too. So, uh, yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it. So it'd definitely be worth a refresher. 
Yeah, I feel I have to watch it like at least once a year. So I'm I'm overdue by probably a couple years now, but um all right. Uh well I want I, I did want I had mentioned off air uh I came across uh this thing relating to goblin mode uh, that I wanted to share real quick, a fun little anecdote. Um, this isn't actually goblin mode, and that term is related to something else. It's kind of like in the, the public consciousness right now. Maybe it's fading a little bit, but I think... Yeah, Connie, to be I fair, know. I have no idea what he's talking about, so I'm going to learn along with anybody else who doesn't know. <laughs> okay, so this this came from... Uh, Kanye West right now is melting oh, down and it's awesome. Um, I don't follow it super close, but it's fun just to check in on. Um, even though he just, he needs mental help. Um, but, uh, the, he was with a gal for like five minutes, probably getting back at, at Kim, Kim K. Um, and she was accused of going in like goblin mode. And she's like, I did not do goblin mode. And so to be fair, I don't know what the fuck goblin mode is. So I just started <laughs> Googling. I was like, what the fuck is goblin mode? I'm sure it's, it has sexual overtones like right off the bat, you know? Um, but so I, I searched for goblin mode and this is what I found. It's a, it's under the subreddit. Uh, it's on Reddit on the subreddit confessions. And the title is, I like to creep around my home and act like a goblin. So I typed in goblin mode, and this is like the top of the list that I found. So I was like, okay, this must be goblin mode. So uh, this user, Sasuke in SSBU in the subreddit Confessions says, I don't know why, but I just enjoy doing this. Maybe it's my way of dealing with stress or something, but I just do it about once every week. Generally, I'll carry around a sack and creep around in sort of a crouch walking position, making goblin noises. Then I'll walk around my house and pick up various different quote unquote trinkets and put them in my bag while saying stuff like, I'll be having that and laughing maniacally in my goblin vo voice. Uh, clarification, trinkets can include anything from shit I find on the ground to cutlery or other utensils in my home. The other day I was talking with my neighbors and they mentioned hearing weird noises like what I wrote about and I was just internally screaming the entire conversation. I'm 99% sure they don't know it's me, but God, that 1% chance is seriously weighing on my mind. I'm 99% sure that's bullshit. Chase, what the fuck were you thinking about here? <laughs> Dude, there's if some, that's, there's some if that's real, I don't know. Yeah. Oh my God. That is just, that's so sick. I shared that with my wife and we about fucking died like for like five minutes and then started picking it apart. Like the, I'll be having that and like picturing someone fucking crouched around, like putting like a fork and like a gum wrapper. In. I really hope that's not what they actually meant by goblin mode and it's like some other totally unrelated I think thing it makes me think of uh makes me think of the dad and stepbrothers like i used to walk around pretending i was a dinosaur yeah so my, dad, <laughs> my dad was like get a fucking job you're not a dinosaur <laughs> exactly <laughs> wow that was a that was a fun little visit to the pop culture corner <laughs> jesus christ 
Oh, nice. All right. Uh, yeah, I wanted to share that. I thought that was. Funny. We are now all dumber for having listened to that. Yeah. <laughs> I award you no points. <laughs> and may God have mercy on your soul. Exactly. All right. All right. <laughs> With that out of the way, uh, we're going to dump or jump right into. We're going to dump into it. Uh, we're going to jump into Thunderheart. The FBI sent him here. The Badlands, South Dakota. What's my cover? No cover. To find a killer among these people. Now he must respect their ways and uncover the past. It's just a dream. You had yourself a vision. To discover the truth. It's hard to tell the good guys from the bad guys. Val Kilmer. Leave him alone! Sam Shepard. Now stick to the assignment, pal. Graham Greene, Thunderheart. Uh, yeah, Thunderheart. So what did you think? I loved it. Yes, I thought I loved it. Awesome. Ooh. I was on board. Great film or the greatest film? I'd say great film. The okay. only thing I didn't like about it was. Uh, like I mentioned, I got it. I was able to watch it for free through a seven-day trial on Stars through Amazon Prime. And the only thing I didn't like about it is the whole time I was watching it, I was like, I know the missus is going to fucking watch this. So I have to watch it probably with her again in the next six days or something because she loves Val Kilmer. Nice. She loves Native American shit. And like her whole family is from South Dakota. Oh, so perfect. the entire movie, I'm like, God damn it. This is so like so up her alley. But yeah, that's really the only complaint I had about it was just knowing I'm going to have to watch this again in the next 96 hours, probably. Aww. But yeah, I was in right away. There were there were a couple points where I was like, oh, I, I hope this doesn't turn into like a really bummer, like a Native American plight story, like a heavy, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and it didn't it didn't go too too far into that. I didn't feel I mean, it's it's obviously one of the themes, but it wasn't like wallowing and just super depressing you know it was just like an under right. underlying theme of the movie uh but yeah. yeah i was in i was in from beginning to end went by super fast Sweet. val kilmer's val kilmer's just awesome you know ghost in the darkness is one of my favorites of all time and i think this predated that by just a few years yes so this was like sort of four. yeah because ghost in the darkness came out in 96 was it that late yeah. i couldn't remember um i mean it's close enough yeah, and I don't know. I haven't seen the Val Kilmer documentary. Documentary, have you? It sounds like it's pretty depressing. Like he can't even talk anymore. Or yeah, dude, I had no clue about like what was going on in his world. I f I feel like I thought he just kind of like fell off the map, and you know he had enough to just kick back and not have to work all the time. But yeah, I just yeah. I actually just saw that a couple weeks ago. The I saw the trailer for isn't it just called Val? I think so. Yeah, I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, fuck, he can't talk. That's fucked, man. But I was very intrigued by the trailer because it it looked like he doesn't strike me like he would be that kind of person like to like, you know, want to film everything. Like it showed like, you know, how he's filmed tons of his experiences like since he was like 20 on all the films that he's worked on. So I bet that's pretty it sounds like a cool documentary and have a lot of insight into like all the different films that he made, you know? And, but it, 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 it didn't look like it in like a vanity way. Like he's just like, you know, documenting 
him navigating being an actor and shit. So yeah, it looked it looked like it could be a downer though, just because you know where he is right now. The subject matter, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I didn't watch it, so we can't talk about it. But yeah, yeah, I'll 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 probably check it out, and hopefully that isn't like the bummer type of thing that I was thinking this might turn into. Yeah. Like, did you ever see the um? There's a documentary about the amazing Jonathan, that magician and his like degenerative medical condition. And... No, I've, I'm vaguely aware of that, but I don't, I can't place it. I, I know the well, name, that dude. Yeah. He just recently died, but um, yeah, it's just tough to see somebody's slow decline like that. But yeah, anyway, not to make it too dour of a note, but yeah, I really like the movie. Sweet. Um, I was thinking about it. I had a question. I was wondering how well you know me. Uh, what do you think my favorite part of this film is? Um, scene, not like but, theme, like my favorite scene of this film. All right. So, man, just put me on the spot. If yeah. I had to guess, <laughs> if I had to guess uh, when the little boy gets shot. No, I'm just kidding. Um, you asshole. I would say when pretty close though. Let me bring up is it when Crow Horse pulls Val Kilmer over and is like, You're going fifty nine, they told me to go get him or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's not it, but I really like that part a lot. Damn it. Okay, then I don't know. That's that's a very that's almost my favorite part. It's a let me see your radar. You weigh uh, one seventy three, yeah? You're not a beer drinker. You're one of these tofu and pilaf characters. You wear your gun on your right hip, but you got a backup. A little 32, 38 maybe. And an ankle holster. Gives you a left foot drag. You're wearing brand new shoes that are a little too tight in the instep, but man, they look cool and that's what counts. Am I right? <laughs> that's very close. The, the number two is is uh, Crow Horse pulling him over. That part's fucking awesome. Uh, oh, and he's just like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, my favorite part is... Well, that those were two different parts when he's is talking it? about... Like, yeah, when he's talking about like the footprint and stuff early on, like, I guess he's 205, 205, 210. That was pretty early on. Oh, and then okay. it's it's a little ways later when he pulls him over and it's like, you can, you can appear in court if you want to contest it when he gives yeah. him the ticket. And then he's like, he has him follow him out to the to the grandpa's house to meet yeah. with him. Okay. So, so what was your what was your I favorite was, part? I was conflating those parts. So my favorite part is it's close to like when the kid gets shot. It's after that when he goes and he fucking confronts uh, the goons, the uh, the government sponsored uh, tribal yeah. committee or whatever they are, um, and he he starts just wailing fucking that dude up. And uh, Fred Ward uh, is like, you got to keep him on a fucking leash. Like that, that part was badass. How he just, he just boiled over, you know, and then Sam, Sh Frank Cattell, you know, the, his partner fucking grabs him and he's like, grab a fucking shower, get yourself squared away. You know, like that, that part I fucking, I really liked. I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have guessed that. Really? Okay. Yeah. I think I would, I just assumed you were thinking of some like funny turn of phrase or something where the guy's like, I'm FBI full blooded Indian. Like, Oh <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, 
I think I was kind of expecting it to be a little cornier than it was that that last line, notwithstanding, just because like early 90s. No, I, th- I thought it was really well done. I thought the music was good. It wasn't too corny, like when you watch an old movie and, and you can sometimes when you watch an old movie, you're like, I could probably guess within 18 months when this movie was made just based on the soundtrack for, you know, what was popular right then. Right. Uh, and the scenery was super cool, too. Like, I didn't realize the Badlands were actually really pretty. Yeah. So that was cool. I like that a lot. Yeah, when I when I drove cross country, I didn't go through I didn't go through North Dakota or South Dakota, but I went through Wyoming and being a California boy my whole life, you know, like I have my, you know, preconceived notions about what Wyoming's like. Driving from California to Indiana, Wyoming was definitely the highlight driving through. It was it was really pretty country. Especially Cheyenne, man. Um <laughs> I could see myself retiring there one day. Um, cool, that's dope. I, I was I was unsure after Blade Runner. I guess I should have probably known in my heart of hearts that Blade Runner wouldn't have been your bag, but I was still a little unsure. But I did think you you liking Wind River was definitely a good sign that this would probably uh, be be enjoyable. So. Yeah, I could definitely see the, I mean, there's obvious overtones of why it's similar to Wind River, you know, even just on its own. I thought it was really good. It was like Wind River meets like Aaron Brockovich or something towards the end. Yeah, totally. Especially with the introduction of, uh, what's her name, Maggie? And that that whole kind of like side story. I guess it's not really a side story. It kind of weaves its way through in the main, through the main theme of the story but like how like how they they do that side trek into like you know the water being contaminated and but that becomes part of you know the over yeah overarching um well it's it's it seems like yeah it seems like two separate stories but then it comes together in the end like oh this is directly related to this it's not just uh, a side story you know dude and then when i found her dead i was like oh bitch yeah yeah that's one thing i so when i rewatched this i probably haven't seen this movie in maybe three or four years um i and i always throughout the years every time i watch it i always forget that they fucking kill her yeah because uh, going through it it's like the type of film it is you know there's fucked up shit going on but um it doesn't. It always lulls me into a false sense of security that she's gonna be okay, you know. And so every time that it, uh, there's not a lot of movies that do that, but there, there, this one for sure. Every time I'm like, oh fuck, they do kill her. God damn. Uh, but yeah, I think. I mean, instead of pussing out, you know, I think that's. Uh, it was a good choice for the film. And two, I guess I should say, um, this film is. It's not based on a true story that's not like included in the opening credits like a lot of films do they'll be like based on a true story but they change a bunch of shit and so it's like it's like night and day on what the actual story is so that's kind of what this movie is they just don't say you know based on a true story but it's actually it's based on a series of similar events so it's a fictional story but they're pulling from a lot of like real life cases um Maybe they didn't, you know, go off from point A to point B in this manner, but like, um, well, there was I, that message at the beginning that's like, it, it wasn't saying this is based on 
actual events, but it said something about this is based on uh, like multiple similar type stories that were going on around that same time. That's right. Okay. So I'd, I'll eat, eat a little crow on that one, but um, I guess it's not a straight across, like they're retelling the story of X, you know, um, it's kind of an amalgamation of, of different um, true events. Whereas like, um, or so what an interesting part about this film too that I just learned about for this show was um, the, the director, Michael Apted, he actually, I don't know if, I think he did it in parallel and with his like screenwriting and producing team. Um, they, they also made a uh, documentary that also came out the same year in 1992. So they had to have done it in parallel or maybe they had it in the can before, but it's called uh, it incident at Oglala, which is, um, a lot of that story is in here. Like the guy who plays, um, uh, Jimmy looks twice, John Trudell. He's actually like a big, um, he's a big figure in like native American affairs, uh, and like proponent for, uh, uh, native Americans in general, but he plays in, so in Incident Oglala, the, the actual true life story, it's based on uh, Leonard Peltier. I don't know. Did you look, do any research on him or are you familiar with that name? Uh, yeah, I, I looked into it a little bit to see because I saw that while it is kind of like a, an amalgamation of different stories, there was kind of like a main one. And that's when I saw his name come up. Yeah. But I'm, but I'm not super familiar with what the whole story was. Yeah. He's actually, he's a super him and the guy who played like, I guess his, uh, like a, uh, an amalgamation of his character, the Jimmy looks twice him and John Trudell, uh, are both really like super charismatic dudes and, um, are just like really well-spoken. And I, I found them to be, uh, uh, they're like super informative and, and they, they really, they're like the, the figureheads of, you know, native American rights and, and, uh, like land rights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I was glad to like be able to dig into that and look at like what happened at the real, in the real story. I, I didn't watch incident at Oglala, but I definitely intend to because that, that stuff, uh, really interests me. So, but I like that they that there was so much in here that you know you can kind of it's a springboard to looking at at other events in our history with the Native Americans. So yeah, and a fun little side note: the the name of the actor who plays the kid who gets shot, his name is Sylvan Pumpkinseed. Sylvan Pumpkinseed. Sylvan, yeah, Sylvan That's Pumpkinseed. Rad. That's pretty rad. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> he wants a pumpkin. um okay so i guess uh breaking this apart a little bit um so it's we got val kilmer who is badass and everything and he's like he's a quarter sioux indian and so like the the theme of the movie or or the story is he's an fbi agent he's kind of he seems like a young buck and he's like, you know, ready to go make a name for himself. And he gets assigned to uh, a case in, is it North Dakota? 
South Dakota. South Dakota. And he's basically like, you know, the FBI is trotting him out because he's a quarter Sioux and they're hoping that, you know, they'll whatever ends that they're uh, working towards that he's going to be, um, you know, they're, he's going to buy them credit with, with the, the locals, with the, with the natives there on the res. Um, and then he's working, he's assigned to, in uh, Frank Cutell, who's played by Sham, Sam Shepard, who's just like, you know, Johnny Law. He's got, you know, like all these accolades. So Val Kilmer's super stoked to be partnered with him and, and work with him. And then, uh, so there's, there's a murder that happens on the, on the res and they go off to investigate it. Um, what was your opinion of Sam Shepard's character, Frank Cattell? Yeah. I mean, he pretty much fit the, uh, the bill for the type of character they were making him out to be, you know, kind of like, like a no BS doesn't really, I mean, he obviously didn't seem stoked to have Val Kilmer out there, No, which the way they sort of talked about his character, like, oh yeah, he doesn't like new, you know, he's an old dog and he doesn't like new tricks. But then, then I, then I kind of wants to think about it later. Well, he's probably not stoked because this is just one more person potentially sticking their nose and, and what, what turns out to be like kind of a corrupt business going on out there. And because like my cynical, the cynical side of me was like, well, why would they send why would they send him out there if he's if he's able to sort of make headway with the locals? They wouldn't want that, right? Because that would upend their whole little the, the conspiracy itself. But that wasn't up to the local guy. That was like the the DC office. They decided to send him, you know, because right the guy who, the guy who's in South Dakota he probably wouldn't have wanted someone who could you know ingratiate themselves with the local natives, right? Because that would be to his detriment. Yeah, that's a good point actually. And I'm curious, like now thinking about it, um, do you think it was just a side hustle that the Frank Cattell guy was doing, or was it a more of a, a conspiratorial, like a big, you know, it's, it seems like it was because I mean, they were after the rights to the land and they were, they were poisoning the land. So they didn't want that to get out. Or was it more of like a, because I know the Frank Cattell character, he was getting like he was making money on that deal, right? Um, so I don't know about that, but my my thought was, so you've got the pro government natives and the um, oh god, what was the acronym? The arm? What did that stand for? Arm. Well, in the real life version, it, it's called AIM, which is the American right. Indian movement. But I can't yeah, and that's what the fuck that's what I was confusing for. them to. I can't remember what arm, what they use that for in the film. But yeah, so whatever you'll you'll find it and you'll correct me. But I mean, their job, the FBI's job, they're just trying to keep things, you know, smooth sailing. So obviously, they prefer the pro-government natives because they're more likely to comply and just kind of live their lives out on the reservation so they're just trying to quell any uprising and sort of the the flip side to that is you know if, if the federal government finds some valuable resource on this land you know that's that's part of his job too is to secure that so so maybe he's it's kind of like it's kind of too 
it's kind of two birds with one stone, right? You're, you're kind of quelling an uprising of, um, insurgents, if you want to call them that, or rebels or people who are just trying to buck. Well, sometimes they have to kill us. They have to kill us because they can't break our spirit. While at the same time securing what seems to be a pretty valuable natural resource. And maybe the Cattell guy, maybe it's like, you know, we don't want to know what you're doing, but like, you know, he's one of like the doers, you know, that's going to get his hands dirty and then they can have like, you know, plausible deniability. Maybe, I don't know. If he's a fed, he's basically just an agent of the state, whatever the state wants him to do. Yeah, I thought he played a he played a good bad guy. He did, and it it wasn't like you know, you see those characters who are they seem to be good, but then they turn bad, and when you look at them, it's like, okay, they just seemed bad the entire time. So this wasn't really a great reveal. Mm-hmm. Or when they when they turn bad, it's like, okay, well now this guy's acting like a totally different person. This is this is really out of character for everything leading up to it, which is awfully convenient. But um, I thought I thought he did a really good job of sort of acting the same way the entire time. It's just when you look at it from both like perspectives, you're like, oh yeah, I could totally see that. Yeah, it's only once you have more information about what's going on, like, oh, that's why, or maybe not, that's why he's acting this way. But you're just able to see like more of the nuance you know in into what he because he's very he's like he he's massaging the everything like the new like having to bring on a new guy he's got his shit that he's got going on in the background and you know yeah there isn't like a stark like turn like oh he's he's overtly acting bad it's like you just after watching the movie you you're just aware of you know the shit that he's doing in the background but right so kind of early on one of the things that looking back you know when they first find the body they're disagreeing about what kind of ammo was used you know Val Kilmer's looking at it and he's like oh that looks like a 223 m16 uh, and he's like i don't know it looks like a 3030 lever action which seems kind of strange like i mean if you're really good you could probably guess the caliber but you're not going to guess like oh no that was a lever action not like you know it's just kind of funny uh yeah but then it turns out like oh yeah Val Kilmer was right so you know, he was probably, well, most assuredly trying to throw him off of what it was. Right. But at the time, at the time, it just seemed like he had a different opinion. Yeah, that's that's definitely like a. a one and then when they find the when they find the car, and you can tell he's super fucking pissed. Yeah, he's like really <laughs> fucking mad. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's almost like well, it's not the same thing, but it made me it reminded me of uh, Kingpin when he's like, "Somebody put sugar in your tank." it's for my morning coffee <laughs> didn't, didn't i tell you to call I me big urn you to call me big urn um, <laughs> and doesn't he like shove his finger in his mouth too like he's got the uh like the he's like so, he's like are you sure and he like sticks his finger in his thing like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and he just sucks it off it's like oh shit man uh god that's a good movie too that is such a good movie I yeah. love that. My favorite part is when they're sitting, Woody Harrelson's eating like cereal, and uh, Bill Murray's like, he's all uh, yells at the waitress, he's all, uh, Tanqueray and Tab Sweets and keep them coming. I got a long drive ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's one that it didn't hit really, like when I was younger, because I, I saw yeah. it like really young, but then older, I was like, oh, that's, that's good. 
there yeah there there are almost too many good parts for me to try to narrow it down to one uh but i think my favorite for sure is when him and roger clemens beat the shit out of him oh yeah he's like uh i didn't want him to think we were in cahoots it's like well i think you i think you cleared that up when you rubbed tabasco in his eyes (laughs) you don't mow another man's lawn yeah uh, Stoot slap you right now trying to move in on my squirrel. <laughs> but I was surprised, so I wanted to look up. So on IMDb, it got a 6.8. That yeah, seems kind not, of strange. Yeah. I mean, and that's then, not no, bad, but it's, it's, I, I definitely don't think it's that low. I would put I it think at that, least a 7.5. I mean, but even that's like just a, a C, right? Like, not even a C plus, but so I, I looked at Rotten Tomatoes and the critics had it at 89 and the audience had it at 75. Huh? I don't know. I feel like it's a solid B, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I think this is I was one surprised. of those films that kind of just, I don't know a lot of people that know this film, obviously from the younger generation, but like people our age and I'm, a, I'm a couple of years, your senior, but, um, like when this came out in 92, I was fucking seven, you know? So obviously I saw it a, a little bit later, but yeah, I feel like people a little bit older um, would be more aware, but it's still, I, it's definitely a deep cut, especially in like, if you think about like Val Kilmer's uh, uh, work, it's not a lot. That's, you don't think about, you think Top Gun and Ghost in the Darkness and Tombstone. Like that. Yeah. Heat. That's probably the I, biggest I, one. Yeah, I'd never even heard of this one before you mentioned it. Yeah, that's I like this because there there's so many films like that that just seemingly fall through the cracks and this is this is one that I remember watching pretty young like maybe it had to have been 11, 12ish somewhere around there and I I was like, dude, that was fucking badass. Um so yeah, this is definitely an all-timer for me. Um uh yeah, and I like I like they didn't get too far into the, his dad's backstory. I, I think I, I thought that was kind of cool that they they like mentioned it, but didn't go super far into it. You know, I just thought yeah, that was kind of cool. They could have gone definitely gone way more info dumpy, and they they could have definitely went more way more like sugar coated. You know, uh, like had a like a vision of his dad and like talking to him or more more. Um, you know, expository, like, and him, like, breaking down, like, oh, I actually love my dad, and, like, you know. Yeah. They, they could, they definitely could have gone hard in that direction, but, yeah, I agree that they, I think what they they put in, like, was enough to capture, like, why he was ashamed of being Native, and, and two, just, like, the personal relationship with his dad, like, you know, like, having that kind of angst and, and, um, resentment for him dying you know for him did he commit suicide or was it uh the dad they said the dad drank himself to death okay well yeah so they didn't go too much into that but um they didn't info dump on that but i felt like it it struck a chord like okay i can see why he would like be resentful and like you know because he drank himself to death he he lost out like on a, a whole lifetime with his dad but um yeah, when the when the old man was like having that vision, 
of him like seeing his dad on the playground and ignoring him. Yeah. And you could tell it was clearly hitting him like, oh fuck, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. You're hitting me you're hitting me deep. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And they didn't need to like belabor it by, you know, doing a flashback or something to it actually happening. It's like, okay, yeah, no, we get we get it. You know, just like kind of the look on his face acknowledged like, oh shit, yeah, that that actually did happen. And now we're moving on to the next thing. So I I wanted to before I forget and it, so it's at top of mind. I what's your uh, you probably like this guy I'm assuming, but I I liked uh, Graham Greene who played Crow Horse. Oh yeah, I like him a lot, and he was he yeah. was also in Wind River too. He was pretty good. Yes, he was. Too. Yeah, I, kind I noticed of a similar that. character, but not not quite as. I think he had a little bit more to play with in in Thunderheart for sure. Yeah, because in Wind River he was the. He was the older. Wait, was he the dad? No, he or was, was he, he the he cop? Was the older tribal police, like the gotcha. Chief, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, I, I like Wind River a lot. That one caught me by surprise, like completely. Um, yeah, same here. Yeah, I I definitely like if I'm in that kind of a mood. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty narrow subgenre of like. Native American true crime, but I think these two are would be a good double header, like Wind River and Thunderheart, or vice versa. Um, but yeah, Graham Greene's fucking awesome. I I really liked his uh, like how they introduce him, and like mm-hmm. he's like he's like made to be kind of like the fool, you know. Uh, at least maybe if through like Frank Cattell's eyes, because at the beginning, you know, you feel like oh okay he's. Cattell is like the sage, like he's the fucking no bullshit, like the badass cop who's going to be, you know, he's taking Val Kilmer under his wing and they're going to figure this crime out, you know, and he, he thinks Crow Horse is just a fucking, you know, a a buffoon, you know, that he's, he's like, let the the real cops figure this out, you know, but as, as it progresses, it's like, dude, yeah, Crow Horse is fucking on it, like from Jump Street. Yeah, early on there, you know making fun of him for like sniffing dirt and like smelling the trees or whatever. And then it doesn't take long for them to be relying on him for information that he's found out. At least Val Kilmer like buys into him and they, they start kind of doing their their own like side thing, which I liked a lot too. I mean, without, without all the other themes, like just like bare bones, like, like a crime story, I feel like it's really successful too in, in, because it's like it's a who done it, you know, but there's also other facets, you know, like there's the whole governmental overreach and like and like the you know, the water being poisoned by what they're doing there, but then there's also the murder um that they have to figure out. And I thought that that's really cool too. That's one too I always forget like you know, at the very end when they talk to uh fuck, what's his name and the the guy in the wheelchair? Uh, uh is that Yellowhawk or yeah. Yeah, the yeah, one yeah. that's always Fuck. calling. He's the one that's always calling Val Kilmer Redskin. Yes, Washington Redskin. Yeah, Washington Redskins. Um, yeah, and I like that joke character a lot too. That joke is going to be lost on future generations because yes. they won't know that was a sports team. That's right. Go, my favorite sports team. Go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. What are they now? The fucking the Washington Commanders. Yeah. I guess it's better than the Washington Football club or team yeah. uh, any, 
anywho, um, yeah, but I like that, um, like that whodunit of like solving the murder and like, you know, finding the tickets and the truck and the, in the, the river, you know, like figuring that whole part out. I always forget like, fuck, like when I'm watching it, I always try to think back on shit I've seen like, oh, okay, this is what, you know, I try to figure it out and rem- and call back this one. It's just like, it's almost like clean slate, which is, I think it, this, this is a good film. Like if you kind of put it out of your mind for a few years and come back to it, just remembering, I liked that film. It's got good replay value. Like, getting back into the story like you're like oh there's there's a bunch of things to uh that you forget about at least in my experience but yeah and it wasn't like there wasn't any part of it that felt really heavy-handed like i i hate it when you're like watching something and it's pretty clear they're trying to sort of steer you in a direction of thinking you know like oh here like they introduce some new character and he seems really shady and it's like oh who's this guy it's like this was just kind of a really well-told story and and even some of the like native american mysticism stuff with like the visions and and all of that none of that was like way over the top you know i thought it was it was like just right as far as you know it wasn't some wacky caricature version of you know that that right. side of their culture or whatever so yeah i i enjoyed it it was understated yeah, they they definitely could have gone hard in that direction, and that was like thinking about it. That w- that was probably the part that I thought was gonna make or break it for you. Like if they steered real hard into that, uh, that probably could have been the difference. But yeah, I was unsure. Like with the way it is in the film, I was unsure if that was gonna be, you know, the thing where like oh, I wish they would have just cut that whole shit out, you know. But because it's definitely theatrical and it's definitely like playing on the supernatural some of the stuff but like you say yeah i agree that they didn't go soup they didn't go overboard on it i mean because at the end of the day this is a fucking movie you know it's not a documentary um but yeah i didn't think they went overly dramatic or too overly theatrical in the story like I've, i i agree that it like it fit you know and it goes back to val kilmer's like internal struggle and him like breaking through on like embracing his native american heritage you know and like and at the same time you know realizing like like if you want to play it good good guys versus bad guys that he that like these are the good guys not the fucking fbi that he's been beat over the head with and what he's been striving for so yeah i really like that too like i mean i like a good underdog and like you know coming from behind to win kind of story like that so that definitely i'm definitely a mark for that kind of stuff but um yeah so right. what, what 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 were you gonna say no i was just gonna piggyback on that like it was cool to see as he was sort of coming back to this world that he's you know part of genetically but that's about it and he starts having these little kind of mini visions yeah it's kind of like his his body is sort of reconnecting back to something that he never really physically connected to you know so just more to the point of like you know it wasn't overly corny like he went to bed one night and had a vision that that he saw who killed him and that's how he solved the crime and right like he he saw in his mind where the casing was so he went and found it like that would just like that would just be too too cutesy and convenient but yeah i feel like all the stuff they talked about is pretty 
um, I think it, it sort of goes with that sort of culture without going way over the top for what's realistic, I guess. Yeah, totally. And I mean, I, I like to, I, I, I'm probably more of like a into the supernatural and, and willing to, to give that more credit than you are. But, uh, I like that you can, you can take it there too. Like if, if you want to think about it that way and, and start thinking well, about, you know, if you're uh, yeah, if, I think, I think it's just a context, right? So if, if they were to like ascribe that to, I don't know, like pick your random, like a, a like a Puerto Rican or a Portuguese family, it's like, well, I don't really, I don't really know that to be true that this certain culture believes these certain things, but like with the Native Americans, it's like, yeah, I mean, they are definitely into this type of thing. So I don't really have to suspend disbelief, you know, that this would be a part of their lives, you know? Right. And I like the, the, you know, like the, the stuff that they do blend in, like when they do, I don't know if they're doing a rain dance, but where they go to like a, a ceremony and like, I I feel like they did it pretty respectfully and too like when they when they go to Bray's uh Jimmy looks twice and they find him in the like the ceremonial sweat lodge sweat lodge thing like yeah I feel like it it they did a good job with like the realism and like and and not um like shitting on or making like you mentioned before like making a caricature of of the culture uh, like they find him in a like they didn't go find him drunk in a casino. Like, all right, we get the stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah, they handled it really respectfully. And I mean, too, I guess jumping into like a little bit of uh, trivia on this uh, that I thought was interesting about how like serious the filmmakers and the, the screenwriters <laughs> took this. So, and then because they did this seemingly in parallel with the documentary about incident at Oglala. Um, let me see. What is it? The, um, the screenwriter, John Fusco of Thunderheart. He, he lived on the, so I guess this is based on the Pine Ridge, uh, reservation in South Dakota. So screenwriter, John Fusco, he lived on the Pine Ridge reservation for five years, researching the script there. He made, he met, uh, Frank Fool's Crow, a tri- tribal elder who was the inspiration for Grandpa Sam Reach's uh, mm. Thunderheart. But I, I thought that was wild. Like, that's fucking commitment, dude, to, like, like living with the people and going there for five fucking years. Like, Yeah, that's, a, that's an insane amount of time. So after I'd learned that, it made me even more intrigued to, um, to check out the companion... I guess, documentary incident at Oglala. Um, two, I was actually, one thing I was, I was curious about, I remember in the, the last episode when we were uh, talking about uh, watching Thunderheart, the director, Michael Apted, I was like, yeah, he hasn't done much um, or at least nothing that you'd be familiar with. Um, but I went back and I looked at his, uh, his body of work and he's actually done a lot of shit. And he's like one of these directors that kind of like slips through the cracks, you know, like he, he had actually had a lot of like hits. Like he did, uh, probably his most famous one looking at this is, um, gorillas in the mist about, uh, Diane Fossey, the never seen it. 
She well, you might know the re- it, that one's based on a true story for sure. It's uh, it's with Sigourney Weaver. She plays Diana Fossey, who was she was like a big environmentalist, uh, maybe zoologist, and she studied gorillas, gorillas in the mist. Um, and I I can't remember. I can't remember if she died in the wild, but it's kind of she had a controversial. Uh, I've seen going on I've there. seen Congo. Does that help? <laughs> Dude, Congo is such a fucking banger. I love that fucking movie. The only thing, I think I saw it probably in like 97 when it came out. The only thing I remember is the, the person like reaching over their shoulder and pulling over the eyeball. Oh yeah, Bruce. that's Bruce Campbell. Fuck. I thought it was a lady. Uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, very good. Nice. Never, never seen it. I've seen uh, Evil Dead 1 and 2. You have, yeah, dude. That's wild. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have thought that you've seen those. That's that's great. Those were those were very popular movies among like punk rock kids when I was growing up, like the Evil Dead movies and even Army of Darkness. I just never watched it. I would say Army of Darkness is. You can just leave that there, and <laughs> yeah, it it really doesn't like. Even though it's the third part in that trilogy, the Evil Dead series. It feels, I mean, it's got the same main character and some of the the themes, but it's definitely it's tonally like way different. Like it's its own fucking thing to me. But did you like Evil Dead one or two? Do you like them? Yeah, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen them. Yeah, I think I definitely prefer the old school scary movies. Like they kind of just have they're more of like a slow build versus now. It's everything is sort of like just trying to startle you, and right. you know. Versus like old movies, like uh, I like Night of the Living Dead. That was a good one. Like the OG uh, from like the sixties, the black and white. Yeah, or like the old, um, yeah, like some of the old zombie movies where it's like just slower pace. They're not running after you. If the fucking zombies running after you, you don't have any chance. But when they're just kind of lumbering after you, like the, the more, more suspenseful. With Ving Rhames, the ones where the, yeah, like the, the Day of the Dead, yeah, Night of the Living Dead, all that. Right on. Yeah, I'm curious. Like, yeah. so you're, you're not a big horror guy, though, right? No, not really. I mean, I've seen, I've seen a lot of the like, or a handful of the Friday the Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, but definitely not all of them, and definitely not like a huge follower of them. I'm excited to get into like, uh, if we're still doing this in August, September, October to get some, get some good horror deep cuts in that mix. Um, for sure. Yeah. That's wild. I, I wouldn't have thought that you, you'd seen any of the evil heads. Um, I'm an enigma, Jim. Doesn't make much, <laughs> doesn't make much sense. <laughs> um, all right. So yeah, going back to this dude, Michael Apted. So he did gorillas in the mist. I thought you would have picked up on that but he also did uh this is a fun one uh one of our former co-workers that we knew in the real world uh uh joe remember how he used to talk about coal miner's daughter yeah love that fucking movie uh yeah. <laughs> he, this guy did uh coal miner's daughter have you ever seen that by chance no it's actually a pretty good film but it's funny between you and i because the dude who likes coal miner's daughter is like the last fucking person on earth that you would figure like it's just it's not his style of movie at all it was so funny though to to 
to see to hear him be like, "Oh, coal miner's daughter? Fuck yeah, that's a that's a show oh shit, badass. like that's a that's a good flick." Yeah. <laughs> if you ever like look it up on YouTube, like watch a trailer for it, and it'll 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 blow your hair back even more. Um, knowing that, but yeah, so he did that. Uh, he did that. He did. Uh, Wait, was it was it? Coal Miner's Daughter? Or was it like Fried Green Tomatoes or something weird? No, like... it was Coal Miner's Daughter for sure. Okay. But, I mean, yep. going with that definitely logic, one. If, if you like <laughs> that, I could definitely see him liking Fried Green Tomatoes too. <laughs> That's just a good film. Um, I don't know anything about either of those, so. You, dude, Fried Green Tomatoes will pull on your heartstrings. I will say that. Alright, take it easy. Even with your tough <laughs> exterior, I feel like you might put the admit, beer down. You, <laughs> you might not admit it, but I think it would fuck with you a little bit. Um, so I'll leave that there. All um, right. Well, I guess this guy hasn't done a ton. He did extreme measures with uh, Hugh Grant and Gene Hackman, and then then he kind of fizzles out. So I guess it's actually the breadth of his work is not. Oh, he did a Bond film. He did The World Is Not Enough. I thought that was just this guy's just got a weird kind of filmography, but I, I assume a, I thought he was a nobody, but he's actually he's made like like some pretty high level films. Um, I assume if he only did one Bond movie, it must not have been very well received. No, not really. And I honestly I don't like any of the fucking Pierce Brosnans, save for Goldeneye. Goldeneye, obviously. Yeah, Goldeneye's all timer fucking banger for sure um actually while i was on my uh paternity leave i went i got on a huge fucking bond kick and i watched a shit ton of them and i watched all of the pierce brosnan ones and woof man uh except of course goldeneye everything else that he did they're fucking terrible dog Hmm. shit Um, yeah i think i've only seen one other one with him in it Probably the one that came out after Goldeneye. Yeah, all of them. They all of them after Goldeneye. They just lean on the fucking um, like the gadgetry and shit. Uh, It it, almost becomes like a a spoof of itself. It almost becomes like in parts like fucking uh, Austin Powers. Um, So yeah, you should do the the new Craig Bond films are fucking dope. I think you would like those a lot. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen any of those. They're way more like gritty and like back to basics, you know, like they say, fuck, fuck all this gadgetry shit with like Q and like, it's, yeah, they're good. The most recent one his Daniel Craig's last one. No time to die was fucking awesome. I loved it. Um, that's what got me on the kick. I was like, I'm getting on a bond kick. Um, all right. So going back to Thunderheart, we kind of did a pretty hard swerve there. Um, did you, I'm, I don't know. Did you like the uh, Grandpa Sam reaches and his whole interplay with yeah. uh, Crow Horse and Val Kilmer, like getting him to, you know, come to the come to the light side kind of thing? Yeah, I thought he was a really cool, cool character. I liked the whole the whole when, trade component. Yeah, when he uh, gets his sunglasses for the rock, and then he tries yeah. to trade Crow Horse later. Yeah. It's like that's a rock. yeah that was good (laughs) so it's a trade man 
likes those shades. What are those Ray-Bans? Um, yeah. So I guess and the three legged three legged dog. Yeah. And he's like and he's sitting in the truck later and he's fucking just hanging out. It's like a hundred degrees, drinking milk. It's like what yeah. kind of choice is that? Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. He opens up the carton and fucking gives it to the dog and it's like he's slowly like becoming not a you know, company man piece of shit, you know? Um So yeah, I guess you know, we're talking about this movie, but we're not like breaking down every aspect of the fucking film. But I mean, so I guess to tie it up, like they do that kind of swerve with, you know, Maggie who dies, uh, you know, she's doing her own side project, like looking at the water being poisoned by, is it uranium? Yes. Harvesting. Okay. Yes. And it's leaching into the water. So there's, but that also, so that leads him to finding the truck, right? The truck. What do you mean? Like, so for the murder. That, that leads him to her body. Okay. Up Up at the mine. Okay. So it doesn't really blow off the case because Frank could tell he's, he's doing his best in the background to fucking, you know, massage things and, you know, working with the, the government sanctioned, the goons, tribal police. And then, so, but yeah, once, once Val Kilmer finds Maggie's body, then it's like all bets are off. And then, then we're racing to the, the conclusion of the film. Um, which I mean, if I, I don't have any problems with this fucking film. Um, I, I think if I'm being really nitpicky, I think it could be a little bit tighter. Like it could shed maybe five or 10 minutes. Um, but that's a super small gripe. But then the other thing too, is like how at the end it does kind of lean into, you know, like visions and, you know, um, but I, I'm fine with that too. Like, uh, him, him embr- fully embracing, uh, his heritage and like you know all the people standing up at the top of that that rock and they're like you know aiming down i like too how they didn't go into that conclusion they just left it there you know like Cattell and his his goons are are fucked now like the jig is up you know right i and that's one of those things where if i was being overly critical i'd be like come on how they all get there so fast and how they know yeah. to go there but it's like if if you if you can buy into the whole idea of the visions and all that type of thing. It's like, well, that's what he was sort of seeing. It was, you know, predetermined that he was going to go there. And that was like his instinct because, you know, they all knew or whatever. So it's not like a huge logical leap to where, at least in the moment, I wasn't like, Oh, come on. What the fuck? This is dumb. Like, Oh yeah, I could see that. I mean, this is what he felt like compelled he had to do. So, they worked out, you know? Yeah. Some films, you know, like if they, if you, if they don't have enough, if you don't have enough credit built up, it's way easier to, to start poking and, and exposing those gaps or, or, you know, you're not willing as much to, to let stuff like that stuff slide and just be like, Oh, well, that's part of the movie, you know? Um, yeah. Like Blade, Blade Runner, fucking stupid. <laughs> God <damn it>. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody is going to take that thing and stuff it right up your ass. I love that movie. All right. 
Is there anything else that you that you looked at or kind of did you dive into anything uh, on the in the background of the movie that you wanted to talk about or? No, not really. Okay. I just I definitely enjoyed it. Probably have to watch it again soon. Sweet. Well, I don't know. Watching it like back to back like that, maybe maybe some parts will wear a little bit thin. Um, but if this is definitely one, if you put it down for a few years, you know, and then come back to it, I'm curious to see if if you have the same kind of experience. Like this is one that, you know, like all the all the plot points and everything. There's there's actually a lot going on in the film. I feel like that um, it's got it's got good good rewatch value, but. Cool. Yeah. I get there there are a couple um uh tidbits of trivia that that I wanted to talk about too that kind of flesh out some of the background stuff that we were talking about. Um so going back to how like the, like this isn't a full on this is a true story of this. Um so the movie is actually um so it's a th- quote unquote thinly veiled account of real events that occurred on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation during the early to mid seventies. Um and this this is uh going back to the the real life figure Leonard Peltier who I re- anybody listening, I I highly recommend looking into uh Leonard Peltier. He's a super charismatic dude and um uh is played by like his his film kind of counterpart is the guy who plays Jimmy looks twice who also, uh, John Trudell, he, he's a super charismatic dude. He's actually got his own documentary called, I think it's just called Trudell. Uh, and it just goes up into his, uh, you know, his adventure in life of navigating, you know, like, uh, like slowly over time, like the native native Americans losing more and more of their tradition and, and like assimilating more and trying to keep the tradition alive. It's, it's, it's really good. Uh, that's a good, it, documentary is trudell but um so yeah it's this is based on the exploration for uranium by the u.s government uh the disease that was caused from irradiated water um aim which is the american indian movement and the traditional natives uh these traditional natives fight against the tribal government who are called the, the acronym is goons the guardians of the oglala nation uh, and then being assisted by the FBI and working with the FBI, uh, they were provided weaponry, other assistance, um, and things that are referred to uh, in Thunderheart. Um, I guess the director, Michael Apted, he did a, a, some extensive uh, background on the reservation on Pine Ridge and, and talked with the people. And I guess they're, they're really happy with the portrayal uh, of some of the events and the way that he, he did it. So good on him um yeah you would you would hope so yeah because you said it was the the screenplay writer who spent five years there yeah yeah so you mean a lion's share of his of that was put into the the parallel documentary but i mean he worked on this too so you, you can definitely see the like the the reverence for the culture and, and the plight, you know, filming was done with the full support of the Oglala Sioux people, uh, who trusted Michael Apted and John Fusco to express their story. Oh, here, here's some, this is kind of curious. I always like looking at this, like who was originally, like they were thinking about for certain roles. So originally they were thinking about, uh, Robert De Niro, Scott Glenn, Dennis Hopper, Tommy Lee Jones, Harvey Keitel, Jack Nicholson, and Al Pacino were considered to play Frank Cattell. Oh, I thought that's what you, I thought that's who you 
Uh, I thought you were going to say that's who they were considering for Val Kilmer's role. Kilmer? No. Yeah, the, I mean, that makes sense. A lot of those guys I just rattled off are kind of old hands, you know, so. I don't know. I, I liked Sam Shepard a lot. I mean, he's a he's a good actor in his own right, but he, he doesn't have, I don't think, um, the same kind of brand recognition as any of the people that I just rattled off. Probably only to, like, people that are over, like, my age, like 37, like, and beyond are more familiar with him, whereas people in their 20s and 30s know Al Pacino and... Robert De Niro and maybe even Dennis Hopper in that mix, but yeah, I didn't, I didn't recognize this guy from anything. So that jives with what you're saying. He's, he's very good actually in, uh, he, it's a pretty small role, but he's in, you ever seen the Pelican brief with Denzel and Julia Roberts? Nope. That's not really a deep cut. So I probably would never consider it for the cast, but that's just a good film. Um, (laughs) that's, that's like, that's prime. Denzel, my opinion, but um, yeah, off that list, the only person I could see like enjoying is either Harvey Keitel or Tommy Lee Jones. I think would have done a suitable job, or maybe to the same level as Sam Shepard. I don't know, but okay. So on the other side of the coin, so some of the people that were considered for um, Val Kilmer's role, uh, Ray Lavoy, were Tom Cruise, Harrison Ford. It's probably too old, but uh, Mel Gibson, Tommy Lee Jones again, Michael Keaton, Dennis Quaid, Kurt Russell, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester Stallone, Patrick Swayze, and the Swayze and Bruce Willis. It would have been funny to see Sylvester Stallone trying to Dude. act act part native. <laughs> Kurt Russell would have been good though. Yeah, I could see Kurt Russell, but I don't. I wouldn't buy the native american influence although i mean if he's only a quarter native american i think yeah. get, that gives you a little a lot more leeway it's like everyone you know at least in california is like i'm 116th fucking win to you know like yeah well if, he, if you can believe it with what Iceman, you could probably believe it with kurt russell yeah or was he maverick no tom cruise is maverick right yeah tom cruise is mav uh val kilmer's Iceman, which Top Gun 2 coming out? What the fuck? I had no idea. I thought that got like buried in like development hell, but Yeah, I thought Kilmer's in that. I don't know. I mean I feel like they've been they've been trying to get it out for years now. I don't know if that was like a COVID delay or what, but I think that that just exacerbated things, but um for sure. I I could have sworn in the trailer of that. I thought they said like Captain or like Commander Kazansky. And that's Iceman, that's Val Kilmer's character, Tom Kazansky. So I'm wondering if they're going to do some fucking CG de-aging bullshit to put him in the movie. I don't know if I'll like that, but anywho. Yeah, I guess we'll find out if they ever release it. Yeah, I, I, I think Val Kilmer did an excellent job. He, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have wanted to see any of those other people in that role. I don't think they would have done near as well. I mean, it's not like he, he puts on a fucking, like a virtuoso performance, but... I feel like Val Kilmer's acting ability, him as an actor, uh, was pretty perfect for this role, at least compared to those other people that they were thinking about. But yeah, I'd say under underrated actor. Oh yeah, and then I don't know if it's right to say you're a gun guy, but you're more familiar with 
you know, calibers and things like that than, than the, the average Joe. But so at the very beginning of the film, when the agents visit the murder victim's body, Val Kilmer's character states that the bullet caliber is two, two is a two, two, three. So the murder weapon must be an M16 or an M1 rifle. These are two rifles that have completely different caliber bullets. The M1 is a 30 out six. And although AR-15s can be 223, the M16 traditionally fires a 5.56 NATO round. You'd expect an, an experienced agent to know this. Does that jump? Well, okay. Uh, I don't know how far into the into the weeds. like Because I'm not a, a huge, huge, you know, gun nerd. Right. But a 223 can also fire a, a 5.56. Right. At, le- at least mine can. So I don't really see the difference between those two. But an M1, I think an M1 refers to like a type of weapons platform, not necessarily a caliber. So that, uh, let's see. So if somebody was like, oh, I went and bought an AR, right? Most people would assume you mean like an AR-15, which is a 223 or 5.56, but they also make an AR-10. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a three oh eight or something like that. A three so, Uh I don't know what that is, you oh, weird okay. fuck. <laughs> but it might be one of those things where it's like I mean, technically they're wrong, but kind of also right. It the the funniest thing was when he was like, Oh no, I think it's a whatever he said 300 lever action, because it's like you would have no fucking clue if it was like a bolt action, the lever action, like there's nothing unique about looking at a bullet hole and especially like if a guy took five in the back close together quickly Mm -hmm. uh i think you could reasonably infer that it wasn't a lever action it would be some sort of fully automatic right or even a semi a semi-auto that you can pop off five rounds real quick Mm -hmm. probably not as fast as a lever action right but yeah it's just one of those that's probably getting into nitpicky territory but Anywho, um, right. Well, yeah, and I'm sure there's like real gun guys who would take it like a step even further. Like they weren't using that weapons platform in Vietnam. That wasn't until you know, yeah. whatever. <laughs> All right. But I didn't. Yeah. Cool. So I see this as a complete win. Uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thunderheart. You know, what I, I was thinking I should start doing too. Is I should start like grading like the movies whether or not like you know it's a thumbs up or thumbs down for you maybe if we did like a retrospective we could see what i'm shooting at you know like a 70 percent like enjoyment rate right yes i think what are we Um, we're two for two out of three yes okay so we're at a 0.6 repeating all right once we get maybe like 10 or 15 episodes in we can we can really see how i'm doing but cool so i'm glad you liked it uh let me know what what your old lady thinks too because uh oh yeah i'm sure she'll i'm sure she'll dig it sweet cool well uh good times had by all uh all right so that's gonna wrap it up for thunderheart uh let's let's go into our uh, topic randomizer all right, so the next topic, we're going to be bouncing back to an element of the unexplained or true crime, some kind of mystery that's going to be a fucking deep cut. That's the other thing, too. We're not going to talk, and I mean, more power to you if you want to do a podcast and you, you we're not covering the fucking title of pass. We're not covering fucking Tom, or uh, 
Ted Bundy or John Wayne Gacy. We're not doing all that fucking surface level shit that's been done a billion times. I mean, I think podcasts are so ubiquitous now that like there's nothing safe. Everything's a remix. Everything's been done. But my goal is to try as hard as possible is to to cover things that haven't been fucking done to death. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the the like a disclaimer about like when we're like you know talking about true crime they're gonna be true crime but they're they're also gonna have like a tinge at least of like some kind of weird fucking aspect to it because that's what really blows my hair back so um and i mean fuck true crime podcasts are a goddamn dime a dozen if you want to find something out about ted bundy or the fucking green river killer or whatever you know Um, right yeah no i agree sweet Cool. All right. So the like next topic, lesser, like lesser known, but still interesting things to look into. Yeah. There's got to be enough meat on the bone for us to fucking like research and talk about for an hour. But you know, I, I don't want to be going like so deep that I have to fucking spend a month trying to figure enough content out. But, um, all right. So the next, uh, topic is concerning a one this is very topical right now too a one johnny depp and the viper room um Mm. this is this is one that ever since kind of like with jason simpson too ever since i heard about this i was like oh man that's fucking awesome and i've i've researched a little bit i haven't gone out into the as deep waters as i'm gonna get for uh researching this one and i think this will be one this will are you familiar with this at all? Like his relationship no. with that? Okay. Yeah. No, I know that's where um, River Phoenix died. That's yep. pretty much all I know about the Viper Room. Yep. And Johnny Depp owned the Viper Room at the time that he died. Um, and, well, I'm not going to get into it now, but I think that'll be a fun one for for you to like look into and, and, and see what the significance is. But, yeah, so we'll be talking about uh, Johnny Depp uh, and uh, his ownership of the Viper Room and his specifically his relationship with his business partner Anthony Fox, uh, who is still missing to this day. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, so I'll I'll leave it there. Uh, you'll find out, and then uh, we'll we'll I'll talk about it next week. Um, Did you hear uh, Amber Heard pooped in their bed? That came yeah. out during <laughs> sick. Old... That's going full goblin. Yeah, <laughs> that's fucking goblin. That's, <laughs> that's what that means. That's a variant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the old Cleveland steamer, Alabama yeah. pocket, glass bottom boat. Anybody else want to get the fuck out of the break room? Um, cool. So yeah, I'm really excited to talk about that. Uh, if you guys want to uh, jump into it, uh, just Google. Johnny Depp Viper Room or Johnny Depp Viper Room Anthony Fox and uh yeah it'll it'll open your eyes. Um cool. Super excited to talk about that. So all right, well okay. with without further ado, that's gonna do it. This has been Waxing the Porpoise. Uh if you wanna send us an email, um you can reach out to us at wax at waxingtheporpoise.com. We're on Instagram, waxing the porpoise, Twitter, waxing the porp. Uh, That'll do it uh, for us this week. Y'all take care. Thanks, y'all. Fucking filthy, dirty, fucking cockfucker.